0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment.
1: Well, it's episode 21, and we've got another special guest coming in this week. Well, it's a little personal. It's my sister joining us from the NBA bubble. Barbara Berry is going to join us to talk about bubble life, how things are going in the bubble, and uh, what she's seeing down there. Give us a little expertise on the NBA season. Plus, we're going to talk about sports with no fans, how that's going, what we're interested in watching. We're going to talk about the weird start for the Cleveland Indians. God hope they can score some runs. And we're going to talk a little bit of hockey as our follow-up to our episode last week. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beer. And welcome on in to the Garage Beers podcast, episode 21. And we've got a great one for you here tonight Uh, with you, as always. I am Michael Keefe. You can find me on Twitter at The Garage Beers. No, I keep saying that. At Garage Beers, Mike. Uh, (laughs) Find me on Twitter. Follow me. You can also find the show on Twitter at The Garage Beers. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, And with me, as always, down in Nashville, Tennessee, Joey Whalen. What's going on, Joe?
2: What's going on? My Lord. We've had, what, two full weeks of just nonstop sporting action. Sports. I cannot get enough. And now, like, football is around the corner, maybe a little college football around the corner, hopefully. Uh, it's, I, I don't know what we're going to do in December. I don't know. Oh, man,
1: this has got to be, and you're on good timing, too, because you're in Nashville. So you're an hour behind. You're on central time. These hockey games are starting at 11 o'clock in the morning for you. Oh, yeah. That has got to just be wonderful.
2: It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, you just turn it on the background, you know, getting some stuff done able to listen to some games see some goals It really uh really makes the day move along
1: yeah man And the end because i'll be honest with you those late games that start at 10 30 10 45 at night i have not been up to watch a whole heck of a lot of those after i've watched literally every hockey game all day long uh so it's got to be nice for you because those things are kicking off at 9 9 45 so a little easier to watch those late ones
2: yeah that hour just makes a huge difference even though it's just an hour but you know games are ending uh like 11 30 instead of 12 30 and it's uh, a little easier on the bedtime you know
1: yeah man i'm loving it too i'm with you sports all day um so if you'll notice conspicuously absent here on this week's podcast and we miss him so uh we miss his bad internet and his weird audio but chad meyer not joining us this week on the podcast don't worry we didn't lose chad as you know if you follow our social media he posted a A ridiculous video today about his vacation but he's on vacation with his wonderful family uh they're over there in delaware trying to pick up some garage beers you can't buy in ohio he keeps talking to me about dogfish head which you can buy everywhere in ohio so he's gonna need to find somewhere else Uh, but chad's having a great vacation Talked to him a lot uh over the last week he's been still giving us ideas for the podcast and uh and he'll be back on the next show but uh It's just me and Joe tonight and a special guest that we'll bring in in a little bit. If you heard the intro, we're really excited. Uh, A little bit later on, we're going to be joined by my sister. Uh, Her name is Barbara Berry, and my sister is down in the NBA bubble. So she's one of the few people that gets to be part of the bubble, and she's got all access down there. So uh, you can actually catch her on TV every once in a while if you're watching. She's sitting right there by the court and uh, she's down there working. so we're gonna get a really interesting glimpse from her into the life of the NBA bubble, what it's like down there, what it was like to get into it, and uh, maybe she'll tell us some fun stories uh, of the rest of her time. But before we get into all of that, oh man, I'm telling you, Joe, before we even get into our next thing, i'm gonna have I'm gonna struggle. Uh, the wife and I went out tonight. We went out to dinner. We don't do it very much at this point because of everything going on, but we went out to dinner. And we went to a place called Kintaro, which is like sushi and hot pot. Oh, oh my man. God, man. It was it's twenty five bucks for all you can eat sushi and then twenty five bucks for all you can eat hot pot. And we just went to town and it was fantastic. It's over Don't here. Sleep on me here. I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, uh, it's over here at Westgate Mall. There's also one down, I think, in uh, old Brooklyn um at at Ridge Park Square down there but man was it good so I'm just I gotta get myself ready for this next part for our garage beers of the week because I don't know how much more I can fit inside my stomach but you know there's always room for garage beers of the week right
2: what are we gonna do what are we gonna do in like the winter time when you can't do like patios and you can't like (laughs) uh, well you guys are probably inside of that place but uh just sit outside and eat where we stuck inside. Oh, we need. Right. We need this to go away.
1: It's, we do need this to go away. We need <laughs> it to go away dramatically. But it, you know, we just keep dealing with it. We're used to it at this point. I hope so. We're just gonna keep dealing with it, and uh, and hopefully, uh, you people in Nashville down there can continue to pray a little harder and get mm-hmm. this thing to go away.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> keep throwing big house parties, and uh, did you see that. Yep. Oh yeah. The the fashion house party. Oh, good grief. Yeah. It's stop time. it stop Makes it interesting down here <laughs> yeah
1: all right uh dibs on the neck you guys can do a lot of like little prop bets where's the next outbreak gonna come from oh
2: my god it's a great idea
1: i'm telling you <laughs> uh all right so let's get into our our every week our favorite segment uh the namesake of the show let's get into our garage beers of the week again we've only got two this week so i'll start it off with you over there joe what is your garage beer of the week this week
2: Okay, coming from Alameda, California. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Hopefully, we have Almanac Beer Company and their Bunny Hill IPA, and they have one of the coolest uh, cans I think I've had on the podcast. It's like a like a holographic like mountain with pine trees, it's got little bunnies on a little Bunny Hill. Uh, really good light IPA. Um, it's got notes of Cashmere and citrus. I don't really know what cashmere tastes like, honestly. The um, like a sweater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it tastes a little fuzzy, but uh no, it's delicious. Uh, I don't really feel like it's a wintertime beer, but uh, I'm enjoying it.
1: Man, I'm. Uh, I think Alameda. It's got to be by Oakland. Oh, you that know, was... I got a hair.
2: I got a hair in my glass. Maybe that's the fuzzy.
1: I mean, there's only so many people that hairs could be. Oh, that's my. It's fuzzy. That's not cashmere. It's just a hair. Just a. Hair. Uh, uh, Alameda's got to be by Oakland, right? Because uh, uh, that the name of their stadium, the name of the A's stadium, and the where the Raiders played for the longest time was Oakland Alameda County Stadium.
2: Yeah, that so, could be that could be true.
1: So you're probably up there in, in the Bay Area yeah. somewhere. Pretty sweet. Yeah. All right, I'm going to bring it back to Cleveland. I'm going to bring it to the the brewery that is closest to my house. It is just across the Lorraine Road Bridge into Cleveland from Fairview Park uh, up there by like uh cam's corner and fairview hospital and all that and right in the little shopping center there is a really nice little brewery called working class brewery it's been around for a few years now uh great little place the people that work there are really fun i really like working class brewery i like hanging out there Uh, they do a good trivia night they have they have a good time there it's a good place and i've got one of their just their uh uh, flagship beers it's absolutely delicious it is called the clock out peanut butter stout uh the weather has cooled down here, jill I don't know if you've you've looked or if you've heard or if, if the family's told you or anything, but here the weather has cooled down a little bit. It's getting down to like I think it was down to like 60 last night. Ooh. Uh so it's nice and crisp at night, it's perfect sit out by the fire weather. So now that the temp has cooled down a little bit, things like peanut butter stouts can just always just come back. So uh this is a really, really good one. It's right up there on par if you're a, a Cleveland beer fan uh it's up there on par with other good peanut butter stouts like uh like the one over at Willoughby Brewing Company uh but this one is awesome. Uh, it's called Clockout Peanut Butter Stout. They do can it. You could buy it at the store. So uh give it a uh, go look for it next time you're out searching for a good stout. Uh if you see Working Class Clockout, uh it's a really really good one. So uh Joe's hitting us from California with a good IPA. I'm bringing it back to Cleveland. Uh, with a really good peanut butter stout those are our garage beers of the week so to you that are listening out there and to you joe cheers buddy cheers and let's uh let's let's move it on and by the way for our garage beers of the week always if you're listening and you have a suggestion for the garage beer of the week or you have a beer that you think we should feature hit us up on social media go to our facebook page at the garage beers podcast go to our twitter page at the garage beers uh and 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 tell us we, we are always happy to feature new ones on the show. So let's get in before we bring in our special guests. Let's get into just uh, something I've been thinking about a lot lately as I'm watching these sports go down, Joe. Uh, So we've got baseball in full swing. We've got basketball in full swing and we've got hockey in full swing. Um, Obviously none of them have fans. Uh, The experience is different with all of them for real. Uh, But um, I want to talk a little bit about just the experience of watching these on TV and and the if you can really feel or tell the difference. So we can start. Uh, I'm sitting here watching the Indians right now. Uh we record on Wednesday nights. The Indians are playing the Reds. Uh they they've got a two-nothing lead right now, a little bit later in the game. So Joe, just in watching baseball, um, uh, has the lack of fans in the stands has that impacted your experience uh watching the games at all?
2: I don't think so. And only because I think the quality of play, like, it's just unwavered by it. Like, you have the same pros going out there. I think the broadcast guys do a great job up in the booth, calling the games. Uh, the production team makes it feel just like a normal game. Obviously, there's nobody in the seats. I will say there was a uh, – I think it was the first game Cleveland played in Minnesota where they had, like, those fake fans in the seats. Oh, you guys God, broadcast? yes.
1: What? <laughs> no, never the again. CGI fans.
2: Oh, I hated those. <laughs> And then Hoochie had running from left field, had like the fans going in front of their face, so they're stuck behind. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. That was like a little like that. Literally like made you like realize, like we can get used to nobody in the seats. I don't think that's an issue. Obviously, when you get the big hits, you don't have like the crowd coming in. It really takes away any factors of like, oh, well, like maybe the fans like altered this play or something. Like, you don't really know. It's just kind of straight up baseball. Um, but uh it, I don't think we need to put fake fans in the seats. I think that, well, not the CGI fans. I think that just kind of like draws attention to it more than anything. Uh,
1: but no, I don't think baseball's really been super unwavered. I don't either. I, I I have found it equally as enjoyable to watch. I, you know, of course you miss the roar of the fans in a big home run or, or something like that. Um, but I, I'm not at all impacted by the lack. I, I do like that they're putting the crowd noise in. I think, yeah. I think it just makes it feel better just to have the crowd noise behind the, behind the announcers on TV. So it sounds like there's fans. I like that. And it makes me laugh sometimes when they hit the button too late and like somebody, <laughs> will, somebody will strike out. And then like six seconds later, there'll just be silence. And then you'll just hear, Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think I, I've enjoyed watching baseball. I, I, yeah. uh, I love, did you see the guy uh, one of my favorite stories that has happened so far in baseball in L.A., the Dodgers. Did you see the home run that hit the fan? You know, they've got the fan like cardboard cutouts. Oh yeah. The Indians yeah. are starting to sell them. I know people online are like, oh, they're just trying to get money. And I'm like, no, every team is kind of doing it. It's kind of a cute idea. Put yeah. real fans in the stands. And it's like a 100 bucks. And the money goes to Indians charities. And I think it's a great idea. I would love yeah. if, I, if if I if my mug wasn't so terrible, I would do it. Uh, but I think it might cause him to lose games. Uh, but the, out in L.A., uh, I can't remember which Dodger it was, but one of the Dodgers hit a home run, and it literally took one of the fans' head off <laughs> or like went through his neck or something, but it looked like it took the fans' head right off. And it was great because the fan came onto Twitter afterwards and tagged the Dodgers and the player that hit the home run and were like, hey, uh, you kind of took my head off with that home run. Do you think I could get the ball? <laughs> And the guy responded, and he was like, yeah, man, we will make that work. We'll make that happen for you. And they, and they actually got him the baseball that took his head off. That's deserving. That's fair. See, those, is, those are the stories you don't get with real people. Yeah. You, don't want, yeah. you don't want somebody's head to really get taken off.
2: No, no. Cardboard want- people
1: take their heads off.
2: Right off. <laughs> right off. No, I think it's cool. It's a, it's a good, good way to raise some money for some charity, too. So I'd say put as many as you can in the stands.
1: I agree. Yeah, I think it's great. If I if I was just floating around uh just wanting to send a hundred bucks in, I I'd probably do it. Yeah. Let's get let's get your face. Let's get your dad's face in there.
2: Oh yeah. Well his dad's that. <laughs> he might be staring down some pitchers or something. And
1: <laughs> yeah, scaring opposing pitchers. That's a good idea. Um, let's go to the other sport that I really, really, really thought was going to be impacted by this. And it's not. Let's go to hockey. I thought hockey. Oh, fans, fans are so – and if you listened to our episode last week, you heard Jody Shelley say it. Fans are so critical to hockey. Uh, home ice advantage is a real thing. And, and the experience of just the roars of the crowds and the chants and the, all of that. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I think hockey has been the most enjoyable sport to watch. It Absolutely. has been incredible uh the the pace of the games the players are all into it you know i kind of thought maybe you're gonna run into some teams that uh don't like not playing in front of fans but man it has been awesome to watch these hockey games that start in the morning and go all day
2: (laughs) and hockey i feel like they got a leg up um because they're starting with playoff hockey like right if if you're a fan of the sport you know once postseason hits in hockey it is a different beast it is a faster harder hitting game it's so, like i literally am watching i mean more than just like the Preds. i'm watching all these games throughout the day and i am just like i'm sitting there and i just feel my heart pounding out of my chest I'm like oh my god i'm like <laughs> two thousand miles away from this game right now <laughs> and i'm getting anxiety from it um I, I think when you're when you're starting off like rebooting the sport with such fast-paced uh high stakes action like it really really fun to watch
1: yeah and 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 the storylines we're going to get into hockey a little bit more in depth uh, a little bit later in the podcast here just talking about the actual games and series and some of our favorite parts but again i I think they've just done it so well the the arenas are, are beautiful uh they look great in toronto and edmonton uh and again just the the Hockey announcers are some of the best announcers in all of sports. They have a tremendous team of announcers and it really has just been a lot of fun to watch teams that I don't really care about. I find myself just glued to the TV, just watching these games. And again, you're right. It's, it's, they are lucky. They start with playoffs, but it's also, they're doing it right. And it's an enjoyable broadcast. They're 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 just doing a lot of great things. So that's another one that I thought was really going to be hard to watch without fans. And it isn't. No. That takes Uh us into the last sport that's going on, though. Uh, And this one, I will say, is really hard to watch right now, in my opinion. And you out there might feel different. If you do, go ahead and argue with me online. That's fine. But I am having such a hard time watching the NBA.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's – there's just like – it just feels like flat. Like it's not – Yeah. It just doesn't feel like meaningful almost. And maybe that's just because they're starting with this regular season roundup. Um, But it just feels like, I don't know. It just feels like empty watching those games.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I, sure. I think part of it is that the games are uh, outside of a few of these games. It's pretty much meaningless because yes. Seeding is one thing. Okay. Is one team going to get the four seed or the five seed? Uh, Okay. Whatever. You know, especially because it doesn't really mean home court. and at this yeah. point, it it doesn't it doesn't matter. And it really doesn't even matter at all in basketball. Like it matters in hockey. Home ice, even without the fans being in your own arena, it matters because there's parts of the game that are advantageous to the home team. they get they get they get the last switch when it comes to you know changing lines. So they get to strategically, have an advantage. Well, there's none of that in basketball. You just once the game starts, the game starts. So without the fans, uh, there is no real advantage. Um, so I think you're right. I think it's starting with the, um, I think with it starting with this like eight game kind of wrap up. Um, yeah, they're not all that exciting to watch. And but I but I also I think the other part of it is just the fans. Like we've had there have been crazy games last night. Last night, the Devin Booker and the Suns beat the Clippers. Devin Booker hit a ridiculous fadeaway jumper over Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who were both defending him. And he hits this fadeaway mid, mid-range jumper to beat the Clippers. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a good shot. Neat. But without that. I guess you don't realize, especially in basketball, where the fans are like right up on the court without that eruption of fans. When that happens, when the, when the camera, everybody knows the shot I'm talking about in basketball, there's the normal like game camera, but when a big shot, like that happens, they do that wide camera that shows the whole crowd and they like jump out to it and everybody's exploding and jumping up and down and going crazy. Like without that, it's kind of like, yeah, that that was a good shot. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Bad in the back and even on the flip side it's like when you have like the like let's say that was a clippers home game in la and then you have the crowd roaring at the end of the game because it's tied up yes and then it's dead silent after that shot like you don't even have that like dynamic change with it just feels it's just like flat
1: i just think of these i think of how much i don't really realize it when it's happening or i just take it for granted but when you go around the league and you think about these places these 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 home locations that are just incredible home ice advantages, things like, you know, Oklahoma city has an insane, uh, not home ice, home court. I'm, I'm watching hockey while I'm talking. Uh, Oklahoma city has a great fan base. They've got a great home court advantage. Um, uh, obviously, uh, LA has, has a good home court advantage. You, you've got these teams around the league and none of them are getting any kind of it. Dallas, dallas is a hard place to play uh and they get no advantage i i just think i think it just means i take for granted how much the fans mean to basketball Mm -hmm. and not having them there i can't get into it yet i'm sure i'll get into it once the playoffs actually start but right now i just can't get into it
2: yeah and i think that's why hockey kind of has that little edge up is just because every single game is just so meaningful and with basketball it's just like well it's just Aside from you know the bottom couple teams, the top seven in each conference it's just kind of preseason right now, honestly
1: yeah, it is it's it's a preseason it's it's games that i wouldn't I wouldn't watch before a regular season, so i'm I'm finding it hard to watch them before the playoffs. but you know, in any case, uh it's still good to have it going. I'm glad it only lasts another nine days. I think uh the fourteenth is the last day of this eight game well, these eight game shenanigans that they got going on. And then we'll see if there have to be any like play in tournaments with the lower seeds. We'll see where everything shakes out. Then it'll get into playoffs. Then, then I'm more interested. Then you can count me in on these games. But, uh, but until then, yeah, I don't know. But having said that, that's a really good transition into our next phase of our podcast tonight. Uh, And we're really, really excited about this. Joining us now from inside the bubble in Orlando, Florida, the NBA bubble that we've all heard so much about. Uh, we've got uh, um, somebody I'm really excited to have on, one, because um, she's my sister, and two, because she is going to be – she's our official bubble correspondent, so we're going to make her come on anytime we have to talk about anything interesting with the NBA bubble. We want to bring in, again, my sister uh, and and uh, uh, new bubble correspondent, Barbara Berry. Barbara, what's going on?
3: hi guys all is good in orlando it's about 94 and oh. 1000 percent humidity oh. good night brian sorry the head of the referees was just passing me so
1: <laughs> oh, hey brian to him.
3: he's he's my neighbor in the bubble oh nice yep and brian has a bike so he keeps his bike outside of his little we say in the casitas and he keeps his bike outside of the casitas. But last night, someone must have had a rager at the pool. Oh,
0: no. <laughs>
3: and they were a little drunk walking back, and they tripped over Brian's bike. then oh, no. thought it was hilarious and threw his bike in the bushes. So when we got up, I had to help Brian get his bike out of the bushes. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, no.
1: I mean, look at you, good deeds for the day getting Brian's bike out of the bushes. No,
3: well, I was the nosy neighbor in the peak hole. Like, as soon as I heard the <laughs> ruckus outside, I was like, What's going on? I've got to look. This is the most excitement we've <laughs> had in a long time.
1: Well, we got to ask, uh, you know, we're going to get to that because, like, there's got to be some, got to be some stories, right? Like, you got to have, got to have some stuff that's going on where, you know, we got, we got guys. I, I want to know personally, have you tried any of the strip club wings that we've heard so much about? Um,
3: I have not, but I would Orlando. definitely love any wing <laughs> at this point. <laughs> the food here has been less than stellar. Well, it's we... like everything is on a bone. I've never had chicken parmesan on a bone. Ooh. Like, to, everything is, yeah, it's... Think of, like, everything that mom would have in the refrigerator and would have nothing to like... <laughs> She couldn't figure out to use it, what to use it for, and then to put it all in the same dish and just crap every day. Oh, but I mean, is that
1: the same food everybody's getting?
3: For the most part. So we thought, bye, Juan. Um, (laughs) So yeah, we thought that the players were getting different food, and then the lot—they don't have locker rooms here. Um, It's just like little offices, and the doors were open, so. You're we looking inside there, and they have the same peanut butter and jellies that we have, and all the same snacks uncrustables? That we have. They have the crust on. It's just two pieces of bread with some.
1: You would think you the peanut players could be uncrustables. Jelly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know,
3: and you have tons of Disney Rice Krispie treats that look like Mickey Mouse. Oh, well,
1: I'm down for that.
3: Um, but yeah, they're pretty much here on site at the arenas. Are getting the same food we do and then back at the hotel your options are two restaurants um one is a sports bar and one is in the middle of a lake which is kind of nicer but nothing to write home about for sure man. and room service room service a 14 dollars grilled cheese i was like wow
1: oh the markup on man. that oh they're crushing <laughs> you guys you're like wow. <laughs> uh excuse me walt disney i don't for the nba yeah, I can't be yeah. doing $14 grilled cheeses.
3: No, no. <laughs> but I just eat the free food, just like everyone else. Everything's in a cardboard box. Jeez. Um, and they'd come and just drop yeah. it
1: on the floor outside your door, right?
3: Well, that was during quarantine. So we, were, we couldn't leave our room for seven days. Got and it. every meal got dropped outside the door. And we would have to – the only time you were allowed to open your door was to pick up your meal off the ground. Wow. Um, yeah. You a
2: little crazy in there for seven days? In a hotel room?
3: Okay, so I was going crazy, and I thought all of the lockdown shows I watched, <laughs> I was like, oh. I, pro- I, I probably would be okay, like, in for one year, like, not having much to do. But after seven days, I, I'm not meant for prison. That's not my thing. <laughs> oh, that,
2: that sounds you know like a lockdown. bad time to watch any type of horror film or, like, confinement TV show or something. Where yeah.
3: <laughs> but then, like, so my room faces this... L- they have a lake in the middle and my room faces that and I would see players with their big fishing rods to date. They fish in there every single day. And I have no idea if anyone's caught anything. (laughs) I don't think there's any fish in there.
1: Listen, they're basketball Um, players. They're not outdoorsmen.
3: No. And they only, they're not patient. You know, when you fish, you have to be a little patient. Right. They just, they stick the rod in there. and If they don't have something in like two minutes, they pick it out and they walk to the next spot and then drop it down again. And (laughs)
1: yeah well i Um, I get it
3: and then let's see in the morning time it's it's a little weird because it's not as hot i mean Orlando's is just hot and steamy all the time but in the morning you get a little bit of coolness and it's just weird like i'll just walk around the lake and you see players just riding bikes and and waving at you like giving you the thumbs up i
1: couldn't
3: tell you who they were but i know they're pretty tall um (laughs) Or jogging and
1: poor Alex Caruso say, hey, out there.
3: What's
1: up? Like, hey, and you're yeah. like, I
3: don't know who you know, I mean, I've got a good nickname. I'm Cleveland because I have a lot of Cleveland apparel down here. <laughs> uh, and
1: unfortunately, because you're the only thing representing Cleveland down there.
3: I know. Poor Cavs. We don't want
1: to yes. talk about that. So let's throw poor it back. Calves. Let's throw it back for a minute, BJ. Let's throw it back. Sure. To the, um, let's throw it back to just kind of getting in because I think people. Uh, are interested in in, and that was a process uh, from the time you you live in San Diego from the time you flew from San Diego to Orlando just tell us that uh, you know just a quick snippet of that process of what you had to do and staying in multiple hotels and the quarantines and all that stuff yep into the bubble
3: sure so I came down on the 5th of July and My first couple of nights, we stayed at the Wyndham and did the setup here. So the setup here it's an incredible process. I mean, the amount of trucks and and laborers and tents and you name it. There is just tons of people down here. Um, So we were all staying at so many different hotels. And then after two nights at the Wyndham, I moved over to the Waldorf. um, And we were there until we got to the Coronado, which is where I'm at now and that's none of we didn't have to quarantine or anything so we were just on site every single day setting up there's three venues here, three arenas Uh, so we had to set up all of our equipment and op stations Um, so that was fine everything's by bus so at that point they didn't have any of the the COVID testing set up so we would have to every day we would have to take a bus to COVID testing, get tested take a bus back then catch another bus to come to the arena, and then you just wait for the bus when you when you get done at the end of the day, so there's no you're not allowed to have cars, cars is breaking the bubble um if you had a rental car, you had to return it the day before quarantine because it could not come in sight with you Wow, so people that drove down a lot of people didn't want to fly to Orlando just for fear of you know
1: flying, yeah, the uh, quarantine yeah. yeah.
3: So they wouldn't. So they drove down, but they all rented cars to drive down because there's nowhere to put your car. Um, yeah. Um, and so yeah, there was a lot of a lot of bus rides, uh, a lot of waiting in line. Several times the COVID people would run out of the tests, so we would sit in there and we were getting tested in the same place the players were. So we, you know, started playing trivia games and we <laughs> anything to keep busy. But it would be like, you know, something that takes two seconds was now taking like an hour two yeah. hours but that was fixed because now it's in our hotel so that's wonderful nice um so yeah then then after i think it was actually i don't even remember the day maybe the the 12th or i don't remember the date but then we got sent we all took a bus over to coronado we had to leave all of our bags out front of the hotel a, a police dog smelt like sniffed everything they searched everything. Jeez. Uh, we checked in. We got medical kits. So we all got um, blood oxygen machines that we have to do a medical checklist every morning. So we have, to, we have thermometers that are hooked to your Bluetooth. Uh, you have to take a questionnaire of how you're feeling that day. Uh, people, You could manually enter it in the beginning, but people would just started entering like 98.3 every single day. Right. And at some point, the people that are monitoring the medical... Started to catch on. Hey, this person is at exactly the same temperature every single day. That's incredible. So they made you connect them to your Bluetooth. So now there's no cheating because it has to go through there. Um, You put the blood oxygen thing on your finger and then it registers into your phone and you're not allowed on site unless that checklist is done every single day. Wow. Um, You got to get tested every single day. And then we wear these these Mickey watches. Oh yeah. That, uh, it doesn't tell time. It just, it's your, the key to your door. So you were never allowed to go to the front desk because you can't have any, any interaction with those people. Um, so check-in was all done on your phone and remotely. And then you got these, these bands. So it's at my hotel room key. If I wanted to buy anything, there's really nothing to buy, but I would <laughs> use it to purchase something. um, and then it's for getting getting around. Everywhere in the hotel, there's like a che- there's a checkpoint, so I have to scan my Mickey band in, Jeez. and it circles it circles white, and then it goes to either green or blue or red. Green means you're good; you can pass on to the next point of where you're going. Uh, blue means there's something wrong. It doesn't mean that you're anything's bad, but maybe something didn't register, like your medical checklist or your temperature or yeah. something like that. So they send you to the side and someone's there with a computer and has to look up all your history of being here. And then red, obviously there's a major problem and they will just stop you and you can't go any further.
1: And you got to go do stuff. And that's everywhere. So when you come
3: into the arena, you have to, you have to use the band to check in. When you leave at night, you have to, we call it tap in and tap out. Um, And you have to be green to get on the bus. Like it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty strict. There's masks. Everyone has to wear a mask. Except maybe Dwight Howard, I guess, <laughs> seems to be the only one getting in trouble. Right. Um, but they're very strict about mask wearing. They have security people at each venue with binoculars. And they literally just look For people at the people that are in there why? to see, make sure they're wearing their masks correctly. Because a lot of people like to wear them around their chins or below their nose. And then you get like, you get written up once so then the second time they make you quarantine again Jeez. and then they're just ask you to leave site. So I know a couple people, I don't know them personally, but I know them from different vendors where actually they had to pack up and leave because they were not following the rules.
1: Well, good. So I mean, I, play. Uh, yeah. we'll see what's happening. We see what's happening in baseball and oh, it's just this
3: is my, f- my friend Rachel Nichols is leaving.
1: Oh, sorry. Well, there she goes. Oh, So, Barbara's standing outside of the arena. What game's going on inside the arena you're standing outside of right now?
3: Oh, my game is – this is the last game of the day. It is the Celtics and the Nets.
1: Celtics and Nets. If you're watching on TV, you could probably spot her because you're what? You're just standing, like, right next to the court.
3: Uh, Yep. I'm in the corner. She just – Across from the visiting team bench.
1: She just – turned her, her camera off or over to the side and there was Rachel Nichols walking away. Uh, So it's, it's gotta be pretty cool just to be amongst the, you know, one of the few people amongst all the big NBA names, even the reporters, the people like Rachel Nichols or the rest of them, obviously. She
3: is so nice. I have to tell you, she is, I I mean, I don't know her uh, like from, I I've seen her on ESPN obviously, but I don't, didn't have any opinion of her, but from just being down here. She is so down to earth. She is so nice. We're in like the same hall in our hotel and I see her like she doesn't have any, obviously they couldn't bring any like glam people. So she's always in the bathroom getting ready for her interviews and stuff and getting her hair (laughs) ready and stuff. She's like, I do not even know how to do this kind of stuff. She said, I was a tomboy growing up and I'm trying (laughs) to figure out how to get a curl in my hair. Like this is not working for me. So we kind of crack up, but that's another interesting Part about this is since there's no locker rooms, which means there's no bathrooms. You share the bathrooms with the players, so at any given time, a player's walk like it has one doorway. And to the left is men, and to the right is women. So at any given time, I walked out and like Kawhi Leonard was right there, and I was like, "Oh, hey, what's up? Oh. SDSU."
1: <laughs> hey, I live in San Diego. Uh, like go
3: Aztecs, and he just kind of laughed, but. You know, you, you see them everywhere. It's not like, you know, a typical arena event game. You know, I've been to the all stars Games. I've been to a million basketball games. You are just doing the same things they're doing. You're getting on the same – not the same yeah. buses, but the buses are picking us up in the same spots. And So, yeah.
1: We just talked about this because we were talking about watching these games on TV without the fans and stuff, and, and we were talking – and maybe it has to do with a little bit of the fact that these this is just that, like, preseason kind of going on right now for the NBA. It really mm-hmm. is more of a preseason than anything. Because a lot of these games don't really matter.
3: Uh, well, it, matter- it, it matters. Proceeding it, matters. It matters to me because if there's no play-in tournament, I get two days off. And I've been working seven days <laughs> yes,
1: So you're like, please, God.
3: <laughs> yes, but it seems with that eighth seed in the West, man. It's Let's it's go. I know. Right
1: but I... I it's kind of hard to watch right now. Like I I have had a very hard time sitting down and watching an NBA game because it's kind of a weird atmosphere too. Is it weird down there? Like, is it weird to watch it or is it, or is it maybe cool to be there because you can kind of hear everything going on?
3: I think it's, I think it is cool to hear that. You can hear the conversations clear as day. I mean, I could be walking somewhere and I can hear them chattering with each other or like, I mean, I can hear Harden yelling about his foul calls, and, and that's so that's kind of cool, but that's because I'm here. Um, but I n- also don't think anyone realized just how big of an influence to the game fans are.
1: Right. Like, Yeah. Right. right. it doesn't
3: make it as exciting. Like, the game winner the other night. Yes, um, the
1: Devin Booker. From
3: this, yeah, from the Suns. I mean, you would have had people, like, going crazy if right. they were at home or, like, devastated if they were away. But here it's kind of like – I was like, oh, man, look at that last game, last-minute shot, whatever. And then, you know, there's no one to che- – your <laughs> teammates are cheering for you, but, like, no one's there to be like, ah, this is so great. So that oh. that's a little weird. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem like – I thought they might try less – um, or not put as much effort into the game as a normal game. And I feel like they have been, I mean, I've had a couple of overtimes already and I'm like, Oh, please, no more overtimes. <laughs> but I mean, I think they are trying to win. I don't think they're out here like, Oh, let's just get it over with, which I thought might be a concern. Um, yeah, I think they're putting on the best show they can for the times that we're in. I mean, I think baseball has tried and failed at, whatever kind of model they were working with i don't think football is going to be successful no um i think this is the only way you can do it and it's a very elaborate probably very expensive process
1: yeah i mean the nba and hockey have have both been tremendously successful but you know maybe it's just i'm not giving it credit and joey and i were talking about it before because the games matter but they they don't it's not the playoffs where hockey started in the playoffs uh so i'm sure once the playoffs start it'll pick up for me a little bit watching it but it's cool to hear. Um, so, listen, I know you got to get back to work. You're outside. We've kept you for about 20 minutes. So, we're going to let you oh. go. But let us know when you can, like, because now you're friends with all these players and stuff. So, let us know when you can get Rachel Nichols or, like, J.R. Smith. Know. So, we were
3: in the bathroom, Rachel and I, today, and I was like, I'm going on my brother's podcast tonight, so if you had an extra second, let's, let's go. She she started laughing, and I was like, "All right, well, I'll ask you again tomorrow." And then, <laughs> yes. yeah, and then the next day, and then the next day, we'll so. take
1: Jr. Smith too, though. We will take Jr. on or
2: the Lebron. They're kind of you know
1: in the same comparable.
3: Well, I had, did have my brown shirt on the other day. I know there was a Lakers game in my venue, and uh jr gave me like a head nod like i knew what it was for and i was like oh
2: you need one of those Um, like uh gvr design like uh jr smith shirts or something
3: (laughs) and i will say there's a few people down here from cleveland so shout out to cleveland there's a guy from bay village i don't remember what his company's name was but i'll find him again and then there's a girl from north olmstead so nice. the whole Cleveland connection's down here.
1: Except for yeah. Yeah. guys like and Kevin I, Love and Tristan Thompson. And oh, yeah. Not Sexton.
3: the players, but <laughs> the behind-the-scenes people, there's a lot of Clevelanders.
1: They'll be in the next bubble. And yeah.
3: Before I go, I have to give a shout-out to my favorite garage beer, the ice-cold Bud Light. Yes. So,
1: the she loves I it. I know. the Bud Light.
3: I know. It's a, it's a rough one, but I love it.
1: If I go to San Diego to visit her or she comes home to visit us, and we go to like a brewery. Her first question is, are they going to have Bud Lights? <laughs> so. Or to the
3: bartender. Can you just give me something that tastes as close to Bud Light as possible? Yes. And they're like, ew, why?
1: <laughs> shut up and just give it to me. Well,
3: Because that's what I like.
1: Well, Barbara, it's been awesome. Thank you for having us on. As the playoffs go on a little bit, we're going to do a little snippets. So we're going to probably need you to come back uh, and, and just fill us in on on some fun things going on down there. I
3: will. I'll keep a, I'll keep a little blog of good stories. If I have any others. Yeah. For you.
1: Yeah. Keep the stories. Let us know who you can get on the podcast and we will pay you nothing. Uh, and we appreciate <laughs> you can, it. You can
3: pay me in Bud Lights. I mean, yes, I will we always do
1: that. do that. I will always <laughs> do that. Uh, so keep having fun down there. Stay sane during all the craziness and, uh, and oh, PS, the last thing I want to leave you with uh, tomorrow. Happy anniversary. Is your wedding oh, anniversary.
2: Thank you. Oh, so thank happy you. Happy anniversary. Happy
3: oh, anniversary thanks.
1: to you and your awesome husband Omar. Give him a shout out. And uh thank you so much for joining us.
3: Shout out to Omar. We spent a lot of quarantine time together. So
1: so this is probably we're, nice.
3: This is <laughs> nice. We're ha- we're having a nice break.
1: All right, Beach. Well thanks for joining us. Love you and uh stay safe down there and, and have a good time and and don't run on the court uh while the games are going on.
3: No, I'm already no I'm practicing my uh during playoffs or finals, I'm going to do a halftime show. I'm oh, working on my, my dance. You yes. know, Babs Panda. <laughs> I'm going to have a tri- I'm going to have a tricycle, and it's going to be Babs Panda. Babs Panda. So we're working it. on it.
1: I love it. That will be all the, right. I the love playoffs. you
3: guys. I'm going back to work.
1: All right, love you. Thank you Tell for joining KGI us. Tell you I
3: said hi.
1: Will do. I'm we'll Patty s- too. We'll see you later and thank you again to our special guest my sister my awesome sister barbara berry i called her bj a few times because her name we always call her bj so bj uh berry joining us live from the bubble our very own bubble correspondent we got a, a rachel nichols glimpse we got some stories about the head of referees and some of the players unsuccessfully fishing and all the above uh really cool to hear some of just the insight of how that's going on uh joe i know i know there was one part that had Man. cringing.
2: I okay. I am envious of every single thing about being in that bubble, except for getting tested every day. Like I have not been tested. Uh, I hope I never run into a situation where I need to get tested. But if you ever seen a test or you've been tested, you know they mm-hmm. stick that rod right, right up to your brain. Oh, oh ugh. that's like that's my like gag. Like oh, queasy
1: feeling well, i don't know anything. if you've ever had like a flu test because it's similar they take oh,
2: well they're the the covid ones look a little bigger, bigger don't they like, they're looking like they're trying to scratch some brain fluid or something
1: and i'm not gonna lie i had that flu test for the first time hold on i'm trying not to overflow my beer there we go i had that flu test for the first time <laughs> and it was one of the worst things i've ever had in my whole life so the yeah. covid one looks worse so yeah, i'm with absolutely. you absolutely but you yeah, got pretty cool stories i mean like just the stuff that she had to go through just to get into the bubble. And again, she's, she is, uh, classified as like the players, the coaches, the trainers, and then anybody like super essential to the operation of the game. That's what her classification is. So again, she's got access to everywhere, everywhere that the players can go and the coaches can go. That's what she has access to. So yeah, some of the pictures she sends, uh, When she, when she got off with us, uh, she was walking a little bit and we saw on her phone where her seat is. And it's just, it's just right at the court. Just, she just sits right on the court watching.
2: Stepping over players to get to her seat.
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So again, a big thank you to my sister, to, uh, uh, Barbara Berry. Uh, she gave her shout out to her, one of the loves of her life, Bud Light. Uh, so we can always throw that in on the garage beers podcast and, hopefully some cool things happen in the playoffs and we can bring her on for a little short snippets, uh, moving forward. So, yeah. uh, having it's, said that, oh, what was that, Joe?
2: I was going to say, it's just an interesting thing. And this can kind of maybe lead us into, um, baseball a little bit, but, um, it was interesting how she said, like, like it's the only way that sport is going to be successful right now is these bubbles. And yes, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, you, you read about the NBA bubble, the NHL bubble, and but to hear from somebody that's in it and how strict and rigorous, like, you know, you're talking about how hard it is to just get into the bubble. And you can't just, like, once you're in, you're not just in. Like, you still have to be strict. They got people with binoculars watching you. Um, I mean, it's, it's no jokes. And then you get to the MLB, and I can just oh, – I can guarantee – uh, the NFL is going to have the same issues. And you got people going to casinos and whole teams catching the disease. And it's just, uh, it, it's, it's a little nerve wracking for the sports that aren't following a bubble format.
1: Yeah. And there's no reason not to, I mean, there's, there's no reason not to uh, I, baseball was so behind the eight ball. Uh, the whole time. <laughs> I mean, and, and, it's... and listen, the NBA and hockey, and, and it was just this constant feeling that baseball had. They were just naive. Like you're going to get fans. No, you're not. You're not going to see fans at any sport in this calendar year. You're not going to see them in football. You're not going to see them in baseball. There's not going to be some miracle that all of a sudden fans are at baseball games. It isn't going to happen. So, the best thing that hockey and basketball did was they said, listen, we're not going to be naive about this. We're probably not going to have fans. So, let's just not have fans. And let's make sure that in our structure, the way we're going to do it we are going to confine these people so much that uh it might be a bummer you might want to be Lou Williams and go to the strip club and get you some wings uh but you can't uh and 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 it's going to cause you problems and that is how these guys are going to be successful football is going to go through the exact same thing mm-hmm. baseball is going through if they do not change what their plans are
2: although low-key strategy of the marlins uh they remained in first place in their division the That's entire right. time they were playing games i think they're in second right now they got a double header going on tonight did um, you
1: hear what Derek jeter said what do you say Derek jeter was like Oh, our guys were out just getting some milk what no yeah. they weren't you no. guys did not all catch the covid they weren't like guys let's all meet up and go get some milk That is not how that went.
2: Miami's way too hot to be drinking milk outside.
1: Right. Have you not ever seen Anchorman? So damn hot. Milk is a bad choice. (laughs) So anyways, let's get into, let's get into baseball a little bit because, uh, you know, now that we finally have sports to talk about on this sports themed podcast, um, we've got the tribe playing and. While they are winning 2-0 heading into the ninth inning with Brad Hand coming on, who looked good last night, so hopefully, fingers crossed, he looks good again tonight. Um, man, this has been rough. And, and yeah. I don't want to be, like, too hard on them because there's been some good things, but, like, the Indians are very hard to watch right now.
2: Well, Like, I've been watching
1: hockey more than I've been watching the Indians. They're hard to watch.
2: I agree. And well, that's partially because when they're playing the Reds, I'm not, that's a blackout team for Nashville. So
1: <laughs> it literally it's hard. is hard to watch.
2: I, it's actually hard to watch. <laughs> I can't get them on my MLB at bad app. Um, but uh, you know, you, you look at the pitching and I've never seen such an elite pitching staff. I mean, obviously we've had some hiccups in the bullpen, but I've, when have you seen a pitching staff come out like they have and just no. completely dismantle teams? I mean, I think they all,
1: they've only had one game with, with not a quality start. I think it's been a quality yeah. start in every other game.
2: Yeah. And you're as it stands right now, it'll probably, will probably be seven, six by the time tomorrow. Um, <sighs> but you're standing as a 500 team. Um, oh, about a quarter way into the season. Cause right. there's only 60 games in the season. Uh, you can't do that. You can't have these bats not wake up. We have a perennial uh, slow starting team, um, but that's that doesn't fly right now. It's it's a slow starting team when it's thirty degrees outside and you can't hit the ball because your hands are shattering every time you make contact. But when you have guys like Framil Reyes who has like I don't know seventeen or nineteen strikeouts already, and Lindor has twelve or thirteen already, uh, it's real bad. Real bad.
1: The The thing that scares me with them being kind of a slow starting team is it usually takes them like 60 games to catch their rhythm. You don't have that. Even tonight. Here we are top of the ninth inning against the Reds. Brad hand on for the save. How many runs have they scored tonight? Two.
2: Against who? Two.
1: Against who? Against first nobody. time starter. Right. Against nobody. They are averaging two runs a game. They're averaging two runs a game. They scored four last night, and I thought it was the biggest offensive explosion I've ever seen. It is atrocious. And it like it makes me not even I'm gonna be glad if they win because a win is a win, but you you're two nothing. Listen, that's gonna happen in baseball, but that can't be your average. You gotta be scoring four and a half runs a game. You gotta be. Because once you stop playing, no offense. I know people think the Reds were gonna be great this year, and they spent some money, but like. They're not all that great. They don't have very. Their pitching isn't great. They're they're trying to tell me I got buddies that are Reds fans trying to tell me how great Sonny Gray is. (laughs) Nah. Where
2: where did that come from? I, for whatever reason, the Oakland A's have the marketing team of the gods because they produced Sonny Gray into this like A tier pitching talent at least we thought. And as soon as he left Oakland, he has been five hundred at best.
1: But listen, and and then I'm listening to these I'm listening to the announcers and again we love the announcers but they're saying things like oh the Indians are staying aggressive at the plate. No they aren't. They're not staying aggressive. They're flailing. They're swinging at everything. They are just up that fran mil Reyes is swinging at everything. And I love him and I don't mean to say anything bad about our one of our favorite athletes in Cleveland, but Francisco Lindor is swinging at Everything, it is isn't aggressive. It's wildly out of place. It is totally, completely wild and off the path of what you need to do to be successful. I don't know what they're doing.
2: I know. I, I like Francisco. Is he's trying to get a Mike Trout contract in sixty games right now, and he's just whiffing. I mean, he's he's swinging for the home run on every pitch. He's not going the other way. He's not you know. Shooting liners out of left field. He is just uh looking foolish up there.
1: In his season last year, he grounded into five double plays. And I think he's at three so far. Yeah. Uh and this was great. Yeah. This was Chad uh who said this, right? Who texted us this. Um, and it's insane because it can't happen. You need your players to produce. With with two outs and runners in scoring position, who is the worst Cleveland Indian to have at the plate? It's Francisco Lindor.
2: I well, I said that. Was that well, you? You said that too. I yeah, think he I asked that.
1: it. He asked it, and you answered it correctly.
2: And then he hit a home run versus like Minnesota or something like right. Literally like five minutes after I sent that text, but I, I kind of still stand by that. I mean, he's um, for as good as a player he is uh he just hasn't found his rhythm right now and so that's not who you want to see up there when you got two outs bases loaded and you're down by three
1: and you know what you said something because i don't want to make it overly dramatic like he he doesn't suck uh he's he's he will find it because he is that good that he will find it but in a 60 game season you cannot afford to have Francisco Lindor flailing away, trying desperately searching how to find it at the plate. This thing that Francisco Lindor's going through right now. Remember when Jan Gomes went through that thing a couple of years ago for the Indian where they actually had like a major league style, like blessing of his bat in the, in the locker room because he couldn't <laughs> yeah. hit. That's yeah. kind of what Francisco Lindor's going through right now. You cannot afford to have Jose Ramirez started pretty well, but he hasn't done anything in several games. Friend Mill Reyes, you can't afford to have him not hitting home runs. That is why come in here and hit 250, but hit 30 homers, not in a 60-game season, but these guys need to produce, and on top of that, to be successful, you need Oscar Mercado to play above, probably, what his expectation is. You need a guy like Bradley Zimmer to come in and be better than expectations, and None of it is happening right now. The only player that I am really enjoying watching in, in not pitchers, I'm enjoying watching all of the pitchers, but the only one that I'm enjoying watching right now is Cesar Hernandez. Yeah. He's been great. Everybody else. What are you doing?
2: It's, it's just a stat. Like I just, the urgency needs to be there, but they're playing like they're on a clock or I don't know. It's just, they're rushing everything. Like they're not thinking it through, they're not uh, taking their time with their at-bats and they're just going up there and just fishing and swinging past fastballs out of the zone. And uh, like Fran Mill, you're going to, you're going to have a high strikeout percentage with a player like that. But if you look, if you, I bet you if you put everyone of his strikeout at bats side by side by side, it's going to be like four pitches three of them are breaking balls out of the zone and one fastball, maybe like inside or something like he is just, he can't lay off that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't know if it's a a coaching thing. uh, Well, And I was just going
1: to say that Joe, it's, there's a reason I feel like under Terry Francona that like the pitching coaches continue to like get hired on as like head coaches places. Not that I think that's not going to happen with Carl Willis, but like with previous pitching coaches but there's a reason ty van berkelio is still with the indians and and i don't personally on a major league level i don't know how much the hitting coach has to do with actually hitting but uh, something's not going right no. and and if you want to look to somebody with the whole team struggling you kind of have to look towards that coach right
2: yep you have to i mean with everybody nobody's hot right now
1: they gotta figure so they out sorry is
2: they- fine, but- like, yes. you can't complain about that. But, I mean, to have one guy that is, like, kind of reliable right now, that's pretty pretty bad.
1: Yeah. And it's 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 a shame because then you've got the positives of the Indians, which are Shane Bieber. It, Shane Bieber might have the Cy Young locked up already. Shane, oh, Shane yeah. Bieber could probably be pretty average through the rest of the season and have the Cy Young locked up. He has been insane. Clevenger is going to have his bad outings. Because he is a little inconsistent here or there, as the Indians just locked up the win. Brad Hand came in nice and easy. He didn't go one, two, three, he had a walk in there, but that's okay. So the Indians go back over 500, as we're talking about them. Um, uh, Clevenger's going to have one bad outing here or there, but he's going to be better. He's going to be good more times than not, many more times than not. Yeah. Carrasco is going to be better many more times than he's not. And then these two at the bottom, Savali and Please, Zach Plesak has been so good. Uh, Sakleesak could be your number two starter. I, I mean, for real, teams. for on real those teams. Yeah, and then you got the bullpen, which Brad Hand has looked good a couple times in a row now, and and
2: well, and also in the bull on the front of the bullpen, you have Adam Plutko, who is really pushing the competition of Savali and Plezak. Yeah, uh, Cause they want to keep their spots in the rotation. Plutko wants to keep pushing them and being that sixth start starter when they need to in double header situations or whatever.
1: And you've got um, good mid relievers like yeah. Simbers, a good mid reliever, a good mid reliever is going to give up some hits and runs every once in a while. Uh, Perez, a good mid reliever. And then you go to the back end of this bullpen and this kid, Cam Hill is a flamethrower and it's, awesome to watch mm-hmm. and james karen is the next closer yep we all know that right like his stuff is the nastiest that little power curveball oh, nobody's man. hitting that
2: when i think i mentioned this on an earlier podcast but when in, we have not had a hard throwing bullpen or just pitcher like Pitchers that are hitting that 97, touching that 98 range, we haven't had that, and I don't know if ever.
1: Maybe Chris. It's Perez? been a while. Well, it's but, been. A, I mean, Cody Allen. Cody Allen at yeah. a lot of points of his career were 95, non-closer 95. pitchers. No, yeah, well, not, not, not many. And and the sad thing is, and I'm bringing this up again because I'm just wrecked about it. They've got another one, and it's the hardest throwing pitcher in the bullpen. Emmanuel Closet that gets suspended for the season. Well, now it's suspended for the season. He was supposed to be out for 80 games. Now he's out for the whole season. Uh, That dude throws 102 mile an hour cutter. It's you're not, it's unhittable. So everything on the pitching side is just perfect. It's just, it's perfect. You're going to have bad outings here or there. You're going to get Adam Simbers going to give up a home run here or there. It happens with middle relievers, but the pitching setup is perfect. These guys, cannot underperform jose ramirez has to show up frankie has to show up santana has to quit pulling everything i don't get it with that dude because he's so good and all he does is try to pull the ball yeah. you could throw the ball three feet outside and he's going to reach over and try to pull it yeah. he's got to stop that fran Mill has got to get his power domingo santana has to show up these guys have to he just has to <laughs> show up he just what is he doing so it's very frustrating because the time isn't there, yeah, to to do this. You're right now you're you're a game and a half behind the White Sox, and remember the top two teams from every division is going to make the playoffs. But you're a game and a half behind the White Sox. You're you're already three and a half behind the Twins. Like, uh, and and depending on what they did tonight, I know the Indians won, so maybe those numbers change a little bit. But uh, I don't know, I don't know, Joe. They got to figure no. it out because. We're twenty percent of the way through the season, yeah. and how far back can you afford to fall?
2: I mean, that window closes so fast, and you don't want to be at a point where you're not even a quarter away, a third away through the season, and you're just fighting for that second place spot in your division. Right? I mean, if if you're a five hundred ball club, thirty games in, um, you're not going to be getting that you know, that outside spot, you're going to have to lock up one of those first or second spots in your division. Right. Um, Cause I I don't think a 500 ball club is going to make it. I, I'm going to think maybe the East or West can produce a third place team. That's going to be well above 500, but I guess that remains to be seen. Um, but there's just not time and you need at least just a couple guys to click. Yeah. Um, because you want to make sure that, um, When's the deadline? That's in a month, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't remember. You want to make sure
2: if there's any type of activity going on that we're on the buying end of that, because, I mean, we have the pitching to get us to the World Series, as we've seen right now. Um, I mean, this is probably the most confident I've I've felt in a pitching staff in a while, top to bottom. Um, So you want to make sure that our hitting is somewhat comparable to just get some runs on the board
1: and i think i you know i think the 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 hardest pill to swallow here is is i think the offense is there i mean look at the lineup it is a crazy lineup but these guys just have to produce you have to play <laughs> to your abilities other teams are doing it other players are doing it look at the yankees right now it's not that it's not that we don't have guys that are good on our team but the yankees have guys producing Aaron judge is just hitting bomb after bomb after bomb. Giancarlo Stanton is hitting ball comes off his bat at like 156 miles an hour. They are producing where our players are not, and they have to start and they have to start now or else the Indians, half the team is going to make the playoffs. You cannot be one of those teams that doesn't not with this team.
2: Nope, so absolutely not.
1: Anyways, I got to get off. Uh, I got to get off the Indians for a minute. Cause even though they won and that makes me feel good, like, like I said, they've been they've been hard to watch. I'm watching hockey more than I'm watching the Indians. Cause they just have been hard to watch. Yeah. Uh so let's go to hockey. Because that has been uh, Joe. How great oh. has hockey been so far?
2: I wasn't ready for how great hockey was. I mean, for the first, I'm trying to think of the first game I even watched. Might have been um um Cane's Rangers their first game. And I mentioned this at the top of the podcast. Playoff hockey is different. It is such a more high intense, more competitive, more high stakes sport. Um it is so fun to watch and it doesn't matter if there's 15,000 people in the stands or five people in the rafters watching the game. Uh it is entertaining as hell. Um, and I, I think the NHL has done a great job putting together their product. Um, they got everything delivered on time. The games are going smoothly. Um, doesn't seem to be any major issues, um, as far as the bubble or, um, anything crazy like that. And it's, it's, it's a good ride.
1: Uh, it has been, uh, it's, it's can't miss TV. And I know we live in Cleveland and I know in Cleveland, we don't have a hockey team, although, we got a lot of people that are fans of hockey teams around. We got the blue jackets that are close. The penguins are close and uh, people that grew up watching other hockey teams. And, but I know there's also a lot of people in Cleveland. Oh, I don't hockey. I didn't blah, blah. listen. If you're not, if you don't give hockey a chance, turn on your TV at noon yeah. and watch these games all day long. You won't just be able it, to stop.
2: Yeah. Just put it in the background. I mean, it is, it is, you said it can't miss TV. It is so fun and you don't even have to care anything about the people playing. Like it could be, it could be, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of two teams and the only things coming to mind are LA teams and they're not in it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do
1: that. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, Winni- Winnipeg and and Calgary.
2: There it is. Look at that. That has been, they've all, they've all been great series. Even, even Carolina versus the Rangers, New York Rangers. Uh, that was a sweep for Carolina. And I'm, had just as much fun watching that series as any other one.
1: Listen, it, it is spectacular TV. Uh, we had a great episode last week with Jody Shelley from the Columbus Blue Jackets. So let's talk about the Blue Jackets for a minute because, yeah. man, they're locked into a battle with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and, and and it's been a, a funny series so far because that game one, they won game one, and they the Blue Jackets look dominant. And I still think uh, the Maple Leafs are a crazy good offensive team. Uh, but the Blue Jackets, I think, are probably uh, maybe outside of the top eight, the top four from each conference. I think the Blue Jackets are the best defensive team. They might be the best defensive team, even including those teams. Yeah, They play such good defense. It is crazy, but... Almost like, to le- a fault. Yeah, I was going to say, so here's where the fault comes in. Because they smothered the Maple Leafs. In game one, just smothered them. Just Maple Leafs couldn't do anything. Uh, game two, um, they smothered them again, but the Maple Leafs outshot the Blue Jackets by like 25 shots. And the Blue Jackets lost because they were not, there was no offense. Uh, so I don't know. What's your thoughts on the Blue Jackets so far?
2: Well, the Blue Jackets played like this all season, um, very defensive. Um, they, Lock down their zone, and when it comes to transitioning to the offense, um, i i they are very just kind of dump the puck and try to set up and try to make something happen, but it's not like when they dump a puck in, you know they have one guy going to get it and then the forecheck check is not super strong after that, and you just kind of see the leaves pulling the puck back out and going to the blue jacket zone. Um, I don't know. I didn't watch their first game, so I don't know how they scored exactly, but I watched the second game and it just seemed like they were locking down everything they could on their end. But when it came time to be on offense, it's just non-existent.
1: Well, and, um, and that can't happen because the, the yeah. Maple Leafs are not good defensively. That's not a good defensive team. So you're probably going to get outshot by the Maple Leafs just because that's how they play offense. But like, defensively uh Maple Leafs aren't good you got to get your shots off against them you got to keep it closer to than what they did uh game two but it's been a great series it's locked up uh one to one the next game is tomorrow uh, uh well Thursday so if you're listening to this on Thursday game three will be today um and uh, and we'll see if Columbus can pull through uh but let's talk a little Cleveland too because uh one of the one of the uh, heroes for the Calder Cup, cha- Cup champions back in 2016, the Monsters, uh, was Jonas Korpisalo. And he has been one uh, – he might he might be – he's one of the top two goalies in the playoffs so far. He has yeah. been so good for the Blue Jackets. And there was a lot of discussion of who they were going to play in net. And that was one of their question marks was a goalie. Jonas Korpisalo has been uh, – he, he if, if, if they proceed into the playoffs – he's got a chance to win some kind of award for how good he's been in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. And the Leafs didn't score. um, I think it was maybe halfway. um, Into the second period of the second game is when they scored their first goal. Um, And so, but when you got people like Austin Matthews and John Tavares uh, and if you can have a, almost five period shutout against uh forwards like that that's pretty impressive uh albeit your first two uh nhl playoff starts to go with it i mean it's just what he's doing behind the net is incredible
1: yeah the other big story in the nhl it was the carolina hurricanes uh we had jody shelley on last week we asked him to predict the series he thought that the goaltending of the uh, of the New York Rangers was going to be the difference, and it was not. No, the Carolina Hurricanes. I think, you know, uh, it, it can come around later when other teams are involved, but I think right now they are the most underrated team out there. Uh, it's the thing that I brought up to Jody Shelley because we we talked a lot about the Rangers. We didn't talk a lot about the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are the best team in the NHL at possessing the puck in their offensive zone. They are the best team in the NHL, and they absolutely throttled the Rangers when it came to that. Every time you looked up, the puck was in the Hurricanes' offensive zone. Every time. The, 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 the way they dominated possession against the Rangers was crazy, and it, was, it reminded me of an old Cavs thing. Back when Sasha Pavlovich played for the Cavs, they asked him about his defense because he struggled defensively because he wasn't very good anyway, but he responded to a reporter and he said, my offense is my defense. (laughs) That's Carolina, Carolina, Carolina's offense is their defense. Their, their defensemen are offensive. They have one of the best offenses you can imagine with Rob Brindamore as their coach, like just a, a crazy talented team. And they made quick work of the Rangers. I, I had a feeling Carolina was better than the Rangers. They were the the higher rated team, anyways, the higher seeded team. But I don't know if I saw that coming.
2: No, I mean it was just a dismantling of the New York Rangers. And yeah, like you mentioned, the Rangers, you know, were probably stretching at being there in the first place. They didn't have the best season. Um, but if you you look at the Hurricanes, I mean, if if you're not a fan of hockey, um. Uh, and you're watching hockey game for the first time. Sometimes, a player will stand behind their own net and let the Lions change, set up a play, and then they'll break out and then go into the other team's all offensive and zone and try to score. Right. Uh, that didn't happen a single time, I think, the entire
1: series. The Hurricanes—they <laughs> just go.
2: No, they don't let you breathe. Like I, you feel like they're like uh, on the Rangers bench, sitting behind the players, like checking them to the wall. They're on top of them so much. Like it is uh, the way that they played. Uh, was just aggressive and abusive, and I think the Rangers are going to need a couple uh, weeks off to recover from that one.
1: <laughs> when I said, uh, you know, I'm watching Sebastian Ajo is one of the best players going right now. Yeah. He was so good in that series. You had Andrei uh, Svechnikov who had had the hat trick in game two. Yeah, so good playing, so good right now. And their goalies are playing good. Morazic and uh, and Reimer are playing good right now. Uh, but I said to my I, my cousin. Uh, lives in Raleigh, my cousin, Harry, shout out to him. And we, uh, I was talking to him about the hurricanes and I said, man, you're just lucky that that's, he moved to Raleigh and just kind of like you did, you moved to Nashville and you adopted the predators. He moved to Raleigh and adopted the hurricanes. And I said, this is a fun time to be a hurricanes fan because the way they play, actually, if you want to be a hockey fan, be a hurricanes fan because the way they play is just so fun and so entertaining and, and they just dominated the Rangers. And I'll tell you what, uh, if I'm one of the, the top four seeds and I see Carolina coming, I'm not really excited about that. Like that doesn't thrill me. So, so just a couple more quick hitters from hockey, and then we will, uh, we'll kind of wrap it up. Um, uh, including right now, uh, the biggest favorites in the, in the qualifiers, Uh, So the the five seed on both sides, they got their word cut out for them. Uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins against the Montreal Canadiens, who were just about mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, Right now, that series is tied one-to-one, and I'm watching that game, and there's 12 minutes left, and the Canadiens are winning four-to-three. Pittsburgh gave up a a three-to-one lead, and the Canadiens are winning four-to-three. Pittsburgh's on the brink of uh, going down in a best-of-five series, two games to one and having to win two games on the road, especially when you have no home ice advantage. Uh, so there's no getting home for game five. You don't want to be in that position. So they got work to do on the other side. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers who were so good. Uh, and PS, how good is Connor McDavid who had a hat trick in their last game? Um, as we kind of predicted last week, they've got their hands full with what looks like a rejuvenated Chicago Blackhawks team playing really hard, playing really well. They had to feel like, of course, we draw the Blackhawks, you know, like yeah. of all teams we could draw. Of course we draw the Blackhawks. Uh, both of those series look like they are, uh, uh, can go down to the wire. How are you feeling about those?
2: I mean, that's why you got to little playoff hockey. Like there is just a, just a different juice in the veins of the players during that time. Um, Looking at the Pittsburgh Montreal matchup. Um, you know, I I just I don't count Pittsburgh out. I think they're such a well seasoned team um that I, I think they just find a way to make it work. You know, they may go down tonight and I think they win the next two pretty easily. Um looking at Chicago, Edmonton, uh, I also think Edmonton's still gonna come on top. Um I think they were a little surprised by Chicago in game one and Connor McDavid was like, uh, that's not going to happen. I'm just going <laughs> to get a hat trick in the first period of the game. And I think it ended up with four goals that game. Yeah. Um, just, no, well, he has so, a hat trick. Yeah. I think they play tonight, right?
1: Yes. They play okay. after this. So
2: this will, that'll be finished by the time. I, I would imagine that uh, Edmonton will be up two one, um, going into tomorrow.
1: Here's what I'm nervous about. And this is a reverse to what Jody Shelley said uh, last week. Jody Shelley tended to give the advantage in all these series to teams that have had some success in the past that are going to be hungry for it again. Here's what I'm a little nervous about watching the penguins. Um, I might feel like they kind of are playing the opposite of that. I might feel like they're playing like this kind of sucks. We're away from home. We're away from our families. We've won the Stanley cup, you know, Two times in the last five years, uh, you know, we're happy, we're good, we're a good team, like like I, I don't I know, and I'm not trying to be a, a weird about that. what I'm trying to say is like they're kind of playing like they don't really give a shit, like,, eh, if we don't make it, this sucks anyways, we can just go home and be with our families, and that I don't know, I didn't see that coming, but but I wonder if that isn't an element because Montreal, you give a team hope, you you let a team believe yeah. them, and they're all, all NHL players they're all crazy talented hockey players. Like you let a team believe and, and they're going to take it. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. You're right. But let's talk about one last thing. Uh, and, you know, just, just to give you your, your spin on things, you got mm. the Preds on the brink, uh, the Predators, yeah. Predators and Coyotes, uh, finished game three today. The Coyotes, uh, took that game and now they lead, uh, they lead their series. Uh, two games to one, Predators on the brink of elimination. Um, I feel like the Predators and the Indians are very comparable right now. They are so lots comparable. of talent, they don't do anything with it.
2: Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so frustrating. Uh, watching the game that they played, uh, on Wednesday where they lost and ended up going down 2-1 as a result of it. Um, I, they outshot the, uh, coyotes by like 15 or so 15 20 shots yeah um but they played uh i think there's a difference between playing with like aggression and like presence and then playing tense um and watching that game it's like every time they pass they're overshooting their guy or they couldn't settle down the puck and they had a lot of shots but the quality of shots was so poor yeah um they actually were up 2-1 to one in the third period, but they got called back on an offside, so that ended up not really even affecting the play in the first place. Uh, so that was kind of tough. Um, you know, I, I, I have some hope. I, I really think that they pulled around Friday and can win Sunday. I think they're a much better team than Coyotes, um, but the Coyotes are beating them. I mean, they've been great defensively the entire series. They haven't been – Anything kind of glamorous offensively, but they've been taking advantage of mistakes. And
1: well, I think the problem is, and this has been Nashville's problem all season, they're better than 90% of teams they face on paper. Yep. Uh, but for some reason this year, when, when, the ice hit, or when the skates hit the ice and the puck drops, man, uh, that paper gets torn to shreds. And, and that's why they've struggled all year. So, yeah. you know, I hope I for your that- sake that they turn it around.
2: I said that last week that they were a really good team on paper and they are. I mean, it's like you you could not uh, build a better hockey team with the circumstances that they built this hockey team on. Uh, it's just really frustrating to see them underperform like that. So hopefully it turns around, but
1: yeah. Well, the yeah, point, point is, is. listen, Hockey's in playing. all this, in all this, the point is, listen, in this podcast, while we've bitched a little bit about our teams, whether it's the predators, the penguins, I'm ready to just, bitch about for a week the indians for crying out loud uh the point is we're finally talking sports we're talking the sports we're talking nhl listen and again as we said before for the love of god turn the nhl on your tvs if you have a preconceived notion i feel like people that say they don't like hockey are just people that think they need to say they don't like hockey because if you turn it on and you watch it and you're going to try to tell me that you don't like the Stanley cup playoffs, uh, you're lying. You didn't actually watch it. Mm-hmm. So turn your TVs on and watch it. We got the NBA playoffs coming up soon. Thank God. Uh, and hopefully the Indians turn it around, but uh, we're going to get ready to wrap it up. But before we do uh, quick story uh, this week, the city of Cleveland uh, lost a legend, a Cleveland legend uh, in Dick Goddard. And I know the, uh, the news was not surprising. Uh, his daughter had been keeping everybody appraised of his health, uh, literally on Twitter for months, uh, and he came down with everything. He was sick with pretty much everything, including the coronavirus. Um, but Dick Goddard uh, passed away this week, and uh, and so I just had a good Dick Goddard story to tell because uh, back in my Lake Erie Crusher's days, when I was the promotions director and on-field host for the team, uh, right before the Wooly Bear Festival, which he always did out in Vermilion, uh, and obviously the Lake Erie Crushers were a, uh, are a team out in Lorain County, uh, we had Dick Goddard out to meet with the fans, throw out a first pitch, um, and, and, and kind of uh, advertise for the Wooly Bear Festival coming up. Um, and he was great. I mean, he was wonderful. Uh, this must have been 2011, I want to say. Uh, uh, he was great with the fans. Uh, just a a wonderful person to be around. I, I, you know, it was kind of my job to show him around and and take care of him. And, uh, and he was great. So one of the things we asked him to do was come down and throw out a first pitch, which he was very excited to do. So we've got Dick Goddard down on the field, uh, getting ready to throw out his first pitch, but while he's getting ready, like Dick Goddard is that quintessential, like just super friendly old guy. So he's talking to all the players he's talking to the fans in the first row and he he had his Dick Goddard and he was talking to everybody. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was hard to corral him. He had more energy than, and I don't even know how old he was at that time, but he had more energy than, than a a lot of people I know, half his age. And, And so he goes out, he throws out his first pitch. It's great. I don't, I don't even know what the pitch was, but he just threw it and it was fine. Everybody loved it. And so, traditionally once the first pitch is thrown out it's my job to get everybody that doesn't belong on the field off the field real fast because the game starts after the first pitch we've already done the national anthem we've already done everything else we do the first pitch game starts so i'm corralling we got little kids down there running out with the players we got i got interns down there so i'm corralling all these people and getting them off the field and i go all the way down the third baseline where the gate was past the dugout and i'm Walking out the gate, and I hear the coach, uh, his name is John Mazzarelli at the time, uh, a great guy. Uh, I hear John Mazzarelli, we called him Maz, go, Hey, Mike. And I turn, and he just points. (laughs) Now, mind you, the crushers have already taken the field, and the starting pitcher is warming up. He's doing his warm up pitches, and we are seconds away. Actually, At that time, the throw had already gone down to second base. So we are getting ready to start. And he points behind home plate. And I turn and look, and there's Dick Goddard, just standing on the field still, just shooting the shit with everybody in the first couple rows behind home plate. (laughs) So I got to run. So now the game is kind of delayed. The umpire's looking at me like, hey, what the hell? And I'm like, it's Dick Goddard. Shut up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I got to run back behind home plate and like tap him on the shoulder and be like, uh, Mr. Goddard. And he turns and looks at me and he's like, Oh, this is a great time. I'm having so much fun. And I'm like, yeah, I-, I know you are, but like the team has taken the field. and the batter is like already in the batter's box. They need to start this game. And he goes, Oh, hold on one second. I got just a couple more people I wanted to say hi to. And he just kept going and saying hi. And so <laughs> Finally, I'm like, I'm like, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but the game, like it's supposed to be a seven o'clock start and it's 7.06. So we're in like a six minute Dick Goddard delay
2: <laughs> because
1: he's just behind the plate shaking hands and saying hi to people. So I finally get him off the field. And it took me as long as it took me to get him off the field. And, and again, uh, the stadium out there, there's maybe eight or nine rows of seats you know, it's not a big place. It took me now the game, had started thankfully. So we're out of the Dick Goddard delay, but it took me like another 20 minutes to just get him up to the concourse (laughs) because he just wanted to stop and talk to every single person there. And so again, Cleveland lost an icon, a legend. Uh, We grew up with him. Our parents grew up with him uh, and, and just a wonderful guy. And I think that story just demonstrates just what a kind of guy he was that he just wanted to sit there and talk to everybody and have a good time. And he was personable and, and he always kind of let you into his life. So uh, just a little tribute to Dick Goddard as, as of course he will be missed. Um, and, and, and he, he very much earned the legendary status that he got by the end. So uh little tribute there. Uh, just wanted to share that story. But other than that, Joe, anything, anything else you want to add for this episode? You feeling good?
2: I'm feeling great. I mean, um it, it it feels much better to have a uh sports co- uh, podcast while sports are actually being <laughs> yeah, for uh, real. i can't tell you how weird that was to start in march when we were just in like full lockdown
1: that was atrocious timing my man
2: but hey we're here now we got some good momentum uh we're excited um and go sports.
1: Yeah. Uh, keep it tuned in. Cause we've got some really exciting guests coming up that you're oh, going yeah. to want to uh, stay tuned. So we'll make that announcement, yes. but uh, uh, again, uh, well, that'll wrap it up for us. Chad will be back next week. Uh, if you're wondering where Chad is throughout all of this, again, uh, we told you at the beginning, he is on vacation, uh, but he will be back next week uh, and we'll be back at, at full staff, but it was fun doing it with just you and me, Joe. That was a good time. Uh, thank you to my sister, Barbara Berry for joining us. From the NBA bubble, and remember, follow us on all of our social media. You can find us on Facebook at the Garage Beers Podcast, and then on Twitter, uh, you can also find us at Instagram at the Garage Beers Podcast. I think is our Instagram. I don't even remember what our Instagram is. Uh, and then on Twitter, we are at killer, the Garage killer beers, Plug. At the Garage Beers. On- hey, listen, man. I'm I am still trying to figure things out with Instagram. Uh, it is a mostly a love love relationship, but you never know. Uh, It is at the garage beers on Instagram. It's at the garage beers on Twitter. And then you can follow all of us individually. I am uh, at garage beers, Mike, you are at garage beers, Joe, and then follow Chad at garage beers, Chad, and uh, go watch the video that Chad put up today because he ran into some crazy drama on his vacation and he (laughs) is out. He is out for blood. Not only did he run into drama in like the little vacation rental house he had, but he also had to like survive a hurricane, his family. So, sounds uh,
2: relaxing.
1: Chad is out for blood on his vacation, and you can <laughs> see it on his video. Go watch that on our social media. Otherwise, again, for Joey, for Chad on vacation, I'm Michael Keefe. Thank you for joining us again on another installment of the Garage Beers podcast. We'll catch you same time next week. Cheers, everybody.